Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm going to go over the Lions Thanksgiving Day debacle and some observations that I have, and then I'll give you some numbers to chew on. I'll start with a few wrinkles I saw on defense. In the 4-3 underlooks, that's where one of the linebackers is lined up as an edge, it was Barnes, not Campbell who was on the line. Probably what they should have been done from the, be- done from the beginning, given the background of those two players. Nice to see them make that change. In general, with the Lions defense, over-pursuit was a massive issue. They reacted so much to every bit of motion, every single fake that occurred. The Lions bit on basically everything that the Lions did to intentionally try to confuse them. Uh, That was a really good self-scout by the Packers to step outside their usual MO and, and play on the Lions' expectations of what they were going to do. Like, they moved... Alex Anzalone around the defense with motion at will. Like if they wanted him playing outside corner, they motioned to make that happen. And it did happen more than once. Uh, They would at times move him from an almost middle linebacker position to a hang position or the other way, just based on moving the guy that they knew he was going to be covering. Wherever they wanted him to be, that's where he was, which kind of limited his effectiveness, even though a lot of the time he was the person who eventually did make the tackle. One team knew what the other team was doing. Sadly, that team was not the Lions. Uh, Brian Branch in cover two, which is something I mentioned immediately after the game that I had seen and kind of wanted to check out. Looks solid. Uh, He's anticipating the routes as they develop. Uh, I didn't see anything that takes me off my pet theory that the Lions are looking at the possibility of playing Branch there a lot once Gardner Johnson comes back. Just because that nickel spot is really where Gardner Johnson is at his most dangerous. So if they can move Branch to somewhere else and have them one of the more dangerous guys in terms of interceptions in the NFL playing at his natural spot, that probably wouldn't be a terrible idea. Like, whatever they need to do to have both on the field, I'm up for it. Because that is the team's turnover catalysts. And if there's only one of them out there, there are fewer turnovers. Uh, On offense, the O-line was terrible. (laughs) The blitz pickups from the backs and the tight ends were also terrible. Uh, On the fumble six for the the touchdown, like, Colby Sorstall might as well not have even been there, other than that his physical body gave something... (laughs) that Goff could move around to avoid that defensive lineman just to kind of put Sorstall between him and that guy, which unfortunately took Sorstall's guy into Taylor Decker's legs, uh, which is never good. That's a huge injury risk, but that's how that ended up happening. And of course, that left Decker's guy, Rashawn Gary, a free shot at Goff's back as he was scrambling forward to make the throw, and he used that for his first of three sacks that day. a millisecond longer in terms of protection, and that's probably just an incomplete pass. Uh, There wasn't really anybody open, so I suspect Goff was just trying to throw it away. The next fumble, though, wasn't better. Uh, Panisua lost his contact balance and literally got thrown to the ground by a spin move from Preston Smith, who then had a free shot on Goff. Um, Goff had the wherewithal to escape the pocket, and then he just didn't tuck the ball. Uh, Like It wasn't even really a dangerous hit, 
he just lost grip of the football inexplicably. Like that one is on him. Uh, the thing to remember here is that the Lions as a whole did not play badly. The Packers just had their best game of the year and recovered three fumbles. Three fumbles, all of which go to the other team, just is not a statistically... It doesn't happen very often. But if you don't believe me that the Lions actually had a reasonably decent game in this loss, let's do the thing that I do. The Lions had 464 yards of offense to Green Bay's 377. The Packers scored nine points total after the th first quarter. The defense gave up only 22 points with two turnovers other than that fumble that went back for an interception to deal with on the day. They gave up no points on those two. The defense itself gave up zero points on turnovers. On the day, the Lions had more first downs. More in both the air and on the ground. They converted more third downs at a higher percentage. They had 75% red zone efficiency, which was actually just the same as the Packers, uh, but the Lions had more passing yards, which isn't surprising given that they were behind, but they also had more rushing yards. If it were not for the ridiculous pressure that the Packers were getting on the Lions' offense, like, this would have been fine. The receivers did their part, like the average separation at the catch point in the NFL is 2.95 yards. Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, Jameis Williams, and Sam Laporta were all higher than that. But none of that was enough to overcome three lost fumbles. And that's the thing I'm actually concerned about right now, or brings me to that thing anyway. Uh, the Lance had one interception in November. Uh, against two division opponents, they managed none, and that's against Justin Field and Jordan Love, who were not paragons in ball control. The Lions are not generating any turnovers, which makes the turnovers that the offense has worse overall for the team's prognosis. Let's take a look at some straight-up numbers. The Lions had 325 or more yards of offense for the 11th straight game, so calm down. The Lions have 4,460 total net yards of offense through 11 games, which is the most the Lions have ever had, so calm down. They have 1,500 yards rushing through 11 games for the first time in the 21st century, so calm down. This was the third straight game where David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs both produced 70 or more yards from scrimmage. So calm down. Individual player stats. Jared Goff, 29 of 44, two touchdowns, no interceptions. In the passing game, Jared Goff had a very good game. He is now tied for third in NFL history for the most 300-yard games in a player's first eight seasons with Kurt Warner and Matt Ryan, and that's with six games left in this season. We'd like to hope that he would pass them. He threw a TD pass in his 19th consecutive home game. Jameer Gibbs had 11 carries for 54 yards and four receptions for 19. He became the first player to hit 50 scrimmage yards in their first nine games as a Lion, ever. Only he and Barry have had nine or more games like that in their rookie season. Barry was, of course, famously. We've all seen the documentary at this point. We 
kind of got held out in his first game because he signed with the team shortly before that game started. Sam Laporta has five touchdowns on the season, tying the record for the most a rookie tight end has ever had for the Lions, uh, which was set by David Hill in 1976. He became one of two players in franchise history to convert a two-pointer in consecutive games. James Stewart was the other. Only Sam Laporta and Eagles legend Keith Jackson are on the list of tight ends with 50 receptions, 5 touchdowns, and 500 yards in their first 11 games. Have I mentioned 100 times that this is one of my draft misses and I couldn't be happier about it? I had Luke Busgrave higher, and he's fine in Green Bay. Was. I believe they just put him on IR. Uh, but this performance from Laporta is historical levels of crazy. Nobody saw this coming. Uh, he's the first tight end to have three or more catches in his first 11 games. If you include wide receivers, he's the eighth player in NFL history to do that. And in the history of all Lions receivers, he is third in rookie history for receptions. How about David Montgomery? 15 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. His nine rushing touchdowns ties Billy Sims for the most Alliance player has ever had in their first eight games with the team. He also rushed for the most touchdowns a Lion player has put up in their first eight games of a season. Nine rushing TDs is also a career high for David Montgomery, so he's having his career year. He only trails Barry Sanders and Billy Sims on the list of players rushing yards in their first eight games, and he's not catching those two. Uh, but there's nobody really close to him on that list either. He's, he's third by a wide margin in both directions, likely at the end of the season. How about Khalif Raymond? Had himself a day with five catches for 90 yards, and there are going to be a bunch of people asking immediately when they see those stats, why aren't they giving that work to Jamison Williams? Well, it has less to do with anything that JMO does, and more to the fact that when JMO's on the field, defenses completely change what they do in ways that they do not change when the same person, or when Khalif Raymond is doing the same things. Like, Raymond is open because when he's out there, teams are focused on Sam Laporte and Amon Ross St. Brown. Those two get open when JMO's on the field because teams know that the Lions have a guy who is just on a different level in terms of speed, and they react accordingly. Seriously, watching the All-22, the number of times Laporte and Amon Ra caught something underneath Jamo running a deep route, uh, it's a lot. I didn't actually record every single time it happened, but it was at least five times I thought to myself, oh, there it is. And speaking of Amon Ra St. Brown, nine receptions for 95 yards. He passed Calvin Johnson for the most scrimmage yards a receiver has produced in their first three seasons with six games left in this season. This is the jersey I'm going to get when the Lions unveil their new ones next year. He's five receptions and 50 yards for the 10th straight game. The first time in Lions history that anyone has done that, and the ninth time in NFL history that anyone has done that. He has four or more receptions in 21 straight games which puts him one back of Herman Moore's record of 22. He has the franchise record streaks for four reception games and 50-yard games, and he just keeps extending both of those records. Now we're going to play a little game that I like to call 
reading between the lines, where I go through the post-game quotes and draw some wild conclusions based on what was said without actually telling you what they said. Because if you want to see that, you can just go watch it. So, based on what Dan Campbell and Jared Goff said, two bad games isn't going to make the team change its entire offense. They feel like the team had a couple bad nights, the fundamentals of what they've built are sound, and they just need to get back in a rhythm. Packers loaded up for a division game and played their butts off. The Lions just need to do better. The offensive line got handed its butt by a really good Packers defensive line. And then it is a really good defensive line, by the way. If you just look at the people who are on that and what they are doing, that's one of the best ones the Lions are going to face this year. The Lions need to get healthy, and they'll just have to live with being undermanned on the offensive line until they do, because there are no mid-season fixes. There's just nothing available at this point. The Lions didn't come out and just repeat what they did the first time, which was like, that was my original thought on, on how this might have happened, really remembering exactly what they had done all those weeks ago. If anything, they tried to add too much new stuff on a short week, and the players didn't have a complete grasp of it. Like, Thursday games are weird. It's a really odd prep week where you don't actually practice anything. You just do a couple run-throughs. But you'd think the Lions would have figured out a system for this by now. They play a lot of Thursday games relative to the rest of the league. But some newish players like Sorsdal on offense and Bohana on defense, it's, it's kind of understandable how backups and new additions getting a full week's worth of added material in half the allotted practice time might not work out really well. Jared Goff is never going to throw this offensive line under the bus. This was his opportunity, and he said they're the best group in the league and he feels fine after taking 12 hits on 20 pressures, both of which are ludicrous numbers. He acknowledged both that as a quarterback you have to brush off the turnovers when they come, but he needs to do a better job of taking care of the ball. And both of those things are definitely true. Most games in the NFL are close. As long as you win, you shouldn't be upset with the outcome. This team absolutely trusts their coach to be making the right choices in pressure situations, so the fact that they ran right into the defense on a, a fake punt doesn't have the team second-guessing their coach. Which Carolina just fired Frank Reich after he had very obviously lost his team on stuff like this, and the Raiders did that earlier in the year too with Josh McDaniels. Trust is a key thing in the relationship between player and coach. When you have a coach that you trust, you'll do what they asked. When you have a coach that you don't, well, the worst thing you can have happen on the field is one guy not going with the plan. And that's what was happening under Matt Patricia a lot of the time. He'd completely lost the locker room. It's, and that trust issue is the main reason, other than just his own objectionable personality at work. So in summary, remember that this was a division game and the Packers aren't actually a terrible team. They're one game under 500 now. They're a young team with an unproven quarterback, and this week they showed up and their quarterback took care of the ball, and that has been the difference on whether they win or lose. He throws interceptions, they do not win. That's all I really have to say about the game. It's not a chicken little sky is falling situation, like there are real concerns that need to be addressed. But Jonah Jackson getting healthy will go a long way towards fixing that on the offensive line. And not every team has as good of a defensive line as the Packers do. I think we've seen what this team looks like when they get down by a big score very quickly and it's not good. They're not built to come back from a 20 plus point deficit. It gets them out of their core identity as a team on offense by removing the run as a significant part of that, I mean it, but it does play into their core identity as a defense. 
Like the changes this offseason need to be moving toward building additional competence and capabilities on those fronts. Not getting down every time a team is willing to throw the ball deep early and being able to attack the deeper parts of the field when you're on offense more consistently are clearly what this team needs to go work on going forward. See you tomorrow with Around the Division. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. You've had enough of that shit.